Talk Radio. I got one air kind of stuffed up. I don't know if I'm going to let my bill fall. It's really bad, but this is just a... Oh, right. That's a good shot there. All right. Okay. It's wild. It is. Got to call him. You get him on line on top of it. Tonight, I, I put on Facebook, I said, what's your favorite old church hymn? And people just started posting them everywhere. I didn't even have to think about it. They just gave me a whole list of recommendations. I already had one, and I took the other three from church, folks. So here we go, 249. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. I will never forget After I'd wandered in darkness away Jesus, my Savior, I met Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend He met the need of my heart Shadows dispelling with joy, I am telling He made all the darkness depart Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Oh, and at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine. Justified fully through Calvary's love, oh, what understanding is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made, when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace he did proffer, he saved me, oh, praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, my sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Now I will hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure. There in those 
mansion sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believe. Rich is eternal and blessing to burn from his precious hand I receive. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole, made me whole. The sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Y'all see what I was trying to do there? Somebody else fill that gap where they just did, okay? That's what I was trying to get you to do. But anyway, praise God. It's good to be in church tonight, amen. Glad to be with you, and glad to see Dan's home from the hospital and looking so well, and I was telling somebody, I was telling Robert earlier, we talk, I was talking to him, I said, man, you look like a mannequin Sunday. You got some color back in you tonight, but you start, you start to look like a mannequin. <clears throat> well, anyway, I'm, I'm glad you're here. That's not the, that's not the deal. It's just that you're, that you're here <laughs> because you were looking bad. You know what I'm saying? Sunday, you weren't looking good. And, and you look a lot better tonight, brother. And I'm sure glad of that. Very thankful. Glad to have your daughter here tonight. We're glad you're here, sister. <laughs> well, that's all right. We can handle mean folks. <laughs> we've been dealing with you for years. So, hey, we've been dealing with him. We've been dealing with him all this time. We can handle anybody. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, we can handle you. We can handle anybody. <laughs> all right. Well, prayer requests tonight? We have prayer requests. Yes. Be praying about that. Sure will. All right. And praying for Richard, too. And you as well. Yeah. All right. Who else? My sister-in-law. She's doing a little bit better, but she still has that congestive heart. Mm-hmm. And she won't see the doctor for May 20th. Right. All right. Somebody else? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll, all right. We'll be praying that, that that goes as smooth as possible. Are you having it at Paris Oncology? Okay. All right. That's a good facility. I do know that. Um, yes, Miss Charlotte? Okay. All right. Yes, Mary. I think that before um, Katie, our family friend, she was doing work, and she found with her internal warning. She passed out at work. She used to work with Richard and she was dealing. She just said, it's not great. All right. All right. All right. Remember, remember to pray for Scott. How did he report on him? How's he? And her today. All right. Sunday, I know. Uh, she was saying he, Maria was saying he, he wasn't doing too good Sunday, so I didn't know if he'd gotten any better or any improvement at all. Well, let's just remember him in prayer. Lift Scott up in prayer. That God will touch him and heal him. And then all these medical issues get addressed in the near future very soon. Um, pray for Donnie. Pray for Erica and their family. Um, pray for uh, Pray for me. <laughs> I need prayer. The last few days, I mean, I, I I didn't go to a doctor and get an official diagnosis. I know what I got. It's not it's not something I had to go get diagnosed with. Uh, I had it 
I had it probably almost 20 years ago, and then it's kind of just been in the background, and I ain't had no problems with it since. And and uh, Sunday morning, I woke up with diverticulitis. So, uh, but I, I got on some antibiotics that I had there at home, and and uh, I basically got down to eating a little of nothing, and and so I feel better. I'm probably 65, 70 percent now. That I, you know, so I hope to be back. I hope to be back normal in a couple of days. So I appreciate your prayers and, and thank you for your prayers. Um, I guess that's all. Anybody else? Anything else? Okay. All kind of unspoken. I'm sure there are. All right. God knows about all those. So let's go to the Lord tonight in prayer. You got anything? You have any prayer requests? Oh, that would be better. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, we'll pray about that too. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us tonight. Robert, lead us in prayer. Amen. You can be seated. Footprints all the way. Jesus, Jesus. 
His name I know fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Soon He's coming back to welcome me. Far beyond the starry sky, I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with Him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Praise God. All right, 275, it is well with my soul. When peace like a river attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, It is well 
Amen. Praise God. 275. I'm sorry, that was 275. 506. How about that? 506. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. (laughs) Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending, drink from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior and happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. With His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Well, glory to God. Amen. It's good to be in church with you tonight. Amen. I, I You know, as I often do, I start studying these lines when I'm singing them. I don't just sing them. I study what they're saying. And I just got thinking about that second stanza. I won't labor this long, but I just want to read it again. It said, perfect submission. And that means we're surrendered to God. That That means we're not worried about anything else in the world. It's just we're thankful to be with him. Perfect submission. Ain't worried about what's on TV. I'm not worried about what's going on in the news. I'm not worried about anything. I'm just glad to be with God. Perfect submission. And he says it's perfect delight. I ain't got to, I'm not missing anything. I'm there's nothing else I want or need when I have God and I'm in a I'm in communion with my Lord and Savior. And he said, Visions of rapture now burst on my side. So what I'm not worried about this world the things where I'm thinking about when are you coming back to get me because I want to be with you. Amen. He says it says angels descending, bringing from above echoes of mercy. God just telling me over and over how much he loves me, whispers of love. And you don't really slow down and think about that. It really means more when you slow down and think about it. 
Because again, they're talking about they're talking about the way the relationship between a Christian and and God ought to be. And if it ain't like that, y'all ask yourself, well, why isn't it? Amen. Because it ought to be. I can tell you right now, it really ought to be. Take your Bible tonight. Turn to Proverbs chapter twenty-three. Proverbs chapter twenty-three. I told Mom we got a grand grand subject tonight. Y'all are just gonna love this. <laughs> I told Charlotte too. <laughs> Hey, it, it's not my, I didn't pick it out. Y'all know I didn't pick it out. I'm going scripture by scripture, am I not? I'm going line by line, here a little, there a little, amen? And and tonight, our two subjects tonight, it's terrible. But our, tonight, our subject is whores and drunkenness. It really is. But God put it right there in the scripture for us to examine. So it's not my choice. You say, preacher, what are you going to preach on tonight? It wouldn't be whores and drunkenness, I can assure you, probably not. But that's what God chose for me to talk about tonight, so that's what we're going to talk about. Amen. And I guarantee you, people watching here on this on this phone through Facebook, there's people listening here uh, uh, through Blog Talk Radio, and I don't know how many. It could be it could be 50, could be 100, could be 200 tonight. I don't know. But in the midst of all those people, maybe nobody in here has got a problem with, with either of those two, and I would hope and pray you didn't. But there may be somebody tuning in tonight who's got it either they're in the clutches of those problems or they know somebody, got somebody close to them that is, or maybe you know somebody who's dealing with one of those two issues. And if so, hey, we need to be equipped. Amen? Just like, you know, I, you know, you need to know how to change a light bulb. Do you know that? You know why you need to know how to change a light bulb? Because a light bulb may go out. And you know what else? You may be somewhere where somebody else is and their light bulb goes out. And if you know how to change a light bulb, you can light their light, their darkness up again. And it's very much like that. Knowing what the scripture says, even if you don't need it, you still got the knowledge of how it works. So you see somebody else having a problem, they're having a problem. They they got no morals in their life and their life's falling in the toilet. You know how to change the light bulb in their life. That's exactly what we're talking about tonight. Amen. Turn the light on for them. Amen. It's Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. I'm going to try to make this as lighthearted as I can, but it's not a lighthearted subject, but I'm going to do the very best I can. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer, and let's pray tonight. Let's go to the Lord. Father, I thank you tonight. I love you. I thank you. I praise your name. Lord, that you, you, you're so good to me. Lord, as I look on these subjects tonight, and I think back over the course of my life, and I realize some of the bad, horrible, terrible, despicable influences I had in my life growing up. And some of the places I was led, some of the things that I was took through. And, Lord God, you shielded me and you protected me against that life. Lord, I know I got dirty at, at times, but, Father, you cleaned me. But, Lord God, you shielded me from the brunt of that life that I walked through, Lord, alongside of others when I was young. And, Lord God, I pray tonight that I can now, with the wisdom that I've gained, Lord, by watching others destroy themselves around me, Lord God, I pray tonight that I'll be able to impart the truth that I have learned, Lord, not only from the Word, but by experience. Lord God, I pray tonight that you'd help each and every one under the sound of my voice, Lord, whether they be in the midst of these things or whether they have somebody in their life who's affected by these sins. Lord God, I pray that you please would apply the, the medicine in our life that might set us free. Apply the grace that's needed in that life. Convict that soul. Show them, Father, that there is a way out in Jesus. And, Lord God, please help us tonight to learn these things from the wisdom of Solomon. In Jesus' name, we ask these things and give you all the glory. 
Amen. All right. So, Proverbs chapter 23, ain't nothing to do but just jump right in the middle of it. Amen. Let's just jump right off into the whole thing here. Verse 26, and we're going to... We're going to go from verse 26 to the end of the chapter tonight, so let's let's drop her down in gear and let's go. So we're looking at the danger tonight of the immoral woman, or, or we call her the harlot, the whore, whatever you want to call her. God calls her all those things. So we're going to just deal with it because that's what we're going to do. Verse 26 through 28, my son, Solomon says, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. For a whore is a deep ditch. And a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for prey, and increaseth the transgressors among men. So the first thing he says to his son is, give me thine heart. Okay? He understood that you can't just, it don't just go in the ear and rest there. It has to go down into the being of the person. You you I can, you can give me advice all day long, and I'm like, oh, yes, that's, that's pretty good right there. But unless I apply it, it ain't going to stay with me, right? Unless I put what you said into practice in my life, I'll forget it by tomorrow. And, and Solomon knows that when he's telling his son, if you don't, if you don't really get these things, if you don't grasp these things, it's going to bite you. It's going to bite you in the long run. So he said, you've got to receive this. You've got to get it down into your being and understand it. And it, it can't only just be a matter of facts and principles that you learned or memorized. It, it, wisdom must be received by a willing, open heart that says, I need that. I can't live without that. That's the way we take wisdom in. I mean, again, you know, if you were going on, if you were going on a job stranded out in the middle of nowhere and you had to have a Phillips head screwdriver, you'd be a fool to run out without your Phillips head screwdriver. You couldn't do the job. And you can't do the job of living this life as a Christian without the wisdom of God. And we'd be fools to try to set out to do it, but a lot of fools out there. So he says, he said, then he says, let thine eyes observe my ways. And and I, I have to say it, I preface it like this, at least at the time of writing this, because we know what happened to Solomon. Solomon, all the wisdom he had went out of his brain, evidently. I don't exactly know at what point that all turned, but I assume it was right about the time he started gaining about a thousand women in his house. Uh, you know, and, and if he'd have got three, he'd have had too many. If he'd have got two, he'd have had too many. I mean, he had he had nine hundred ninety nine too many. It's just insanity. Again, me trying to keep one happy is a nightmare. I can't imagine a thousand of them. I mean, listen, any man knows that. It, you, Trying to keep a woman happy is not, is a full time job, and to think you can do that a thousand fold, you're an absolute idiot. I don't know how the smartest man, the most wise man in the world, came to that conclusion, but he did. But at this point, at least, he hadn't come to that conclusion, and he he understood you got to get this, boy. If you don't get this, it's going to sink you. And uh, and so at this point in time, he could at least point to his own life as an example of wisdom when it came to the dangers of immoral women. At this point in time. Solomon hadn't brought in all these floozies and said, build me a temple for my God, build me a temple for my God. And he, and he just went right, right along and did it. But back at this point, he had some standards, and he had some, he had some morals, and he followed God. And, uh, and so he, he was giving him some, some wisdom when it came to the dangers of the immoral woman anyway. So he, he, knew, he knew teaching is the most effective comes from a life that knows and lives wisdom. It ain't just, well, I heard one time. 
a herd if you do it this way to work. No, if I'm if I already done it and I've lived through it and I can prove to you that this works, it has a whole lot more weight to it. It ought to anyway. I know I've raised boys. A lot of times they can they can know how it went and still gonna do it their way. But but uh, unfortunately, but but anyway, when he says let thine eyes observe my ways in the Hebrew, it says let thine eyes run through my ways, like going through a filing cabinet. Examine them. Diligently search my ways. Fix your eyes on worthwhile things and keep them from from gazing upon forbidden things. Or or they may become, as as one writer put it, windows of wickedness and loopholes of lust. Make sure you you keep your eyes in the right place. And he goes on to say here, he said, because a whore is a deep ditch. Uh, A deep ditch. You think of of a hunter out in the middle of a, uh, the Serengeti's trying to trap a lion. He's going to trap a lion, best thing he can do is dig, dig a deep pit. That's about the only way he's going to catch one. He's going to have to dig a deep hole, a big hole, in order to get that lion down there where he can't get out. So that's the idea, a big a big prey we're trying to go after. So that's the Bible says here that that's, that's the way a whore is. It, it's a, it, he gonna, it, she, whoever she's after, if she ever gets a hold of them, boy, they're caught. You know? And just like the danger of an animal falling into a deep pit, the danger of the harlot is very real and very and, and concealed because again, she's not gonna she's not gonna let you know how it's gonna be in the end in the beginning. It's like I've said about you know, I, when I went out to Las Vegas, on the front of those casinos they're beautiful, but the back alley is pretty. And that's that's kinda that's kinda the way it is with any sand you walk into. The front door is beautiful, but the back door is horrible. That's where the dumpster is, and, and the devil will take you out the back door, and and he's warning against this this woman because again she she's concealing the bitterness that she brings with her. She's a smooth talking woman. We talked about her. We we met her over in in chapter five verses one through six, in chapter six verse twenty five, in chapter seven verses ten through twenty one. We know about this woman. She engages in sex for either pleasure and or money with no intention or capability of, of a binding or an enduring relationship. This is just, this is just one night stand kind of stuff. This is this is just a one one uh, one night affair kind of thing. She's just out looking for somebody new. And so we met this woman. She's a party girl. She go out to the clubs and things. But you see, she's also married. Also, I mean, we, again, we ran into her in chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. She's married. Her husband ain't in town. He works out of town sometimes. Maybe he's, maybe he's off in the military. He works in the military, and he ain't home very much. Or, or maybe he's on an offshore rig somewhere. He's not around. So she ain't worried about him because he ain't going to catch her because he's gone. Okay? So her, her victim is reassured. You know, I'm getting in trouble. He's gone. It's going to be okay. And so she lures him in, and he's caught. You know, once he gives in and yields, man, he's 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 caught. He's in trouble, and and now she's trapped her victim, and he can't escape because the pit's too deep. He can't get out. Now I told y'all before, I wasn't always a preacher. I had a former profession. I was a country music singer in a bar room. I did that for years. My brother and I had a country band, and we played 
We played a lot of places, and I, I stood up on a stage, and I watched dance floor after dance floor after dance floor full of these kind of women and men that chase them. And, you know, I, I, I knew a lot of those people. Before that, I ran with my daddy because I had to. I lived with him. I was, he took me to those places. That I, I mean, I've, I've told you all this. At 13 years of age, I was took to the bar room with my daddy. I watched, I watched these people do these things. I watched this scenario play out over and over and over and over again. And it's a miserable game. And people get totally destroyed in the process. You know, in the Bible, Samson, he's a good example. They could bind him with whatever they wanted to bind him with. He'd just snap it loose. But you know what? He couldn't break loose from his lust. It had him. It caught him, and he couldn't get out of that clutch. He choked the lion out, but he couldn't choke out his lust for loose women. And like the old song said, he was looking for love in all the wrong places. Amen? So God tells us that the whore is a deep ditch, but it goes on to say a strange woman is a narrow pit. And I'll, I'll give you the definition of a strange woman. That's anybody, that, that's any woman that's not your wife. Is a strange woman to any man. Uh, you know, I mean, again, you might be friends with them and all, but again, you get along with them in, in, in a wrong circumstance, a strange, that's a strange woman to you. You better watch out there. And, uh, but... So, but it says a strange woman is a narrow pit. And again, I want to stress to you that this is not alluding and saying that every woman besides your wife is a loose woman because we know that's not the case. But it's simply a, a strange woman. You look at every woman other than your wife as the possibility of a strange woman. That means keep away. Don't allow yourself to get involved in any kind of an emotional relationship with any woman that ain't your wife. You ain't got to worry about it if you don't do that. But he's saying it's a narrow pit. And that narrow pit, I want you to understand what this means. It, it kind of gives a reference to a narrow well. And, you know, a well is good for getting water. And, and the relationship, the intimate relationship between a husband and a wife is described in Proverbs as, as a man getting good water from a well. When he and his wife engage in intimacy and in, in, in the Auspices of marriage is a wonderful, blessed thing that God created to nourish and comfort one another. And again, it's like a man getting drawn water from a well. And Proverbs 5.15 says, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. God said, hey, you stay away from other women. So here, this is the idea, this is the reference of uh, uh, the idea of, of a well that doesn't satisfy. Not, not, the one, not the one I just referenced. That's the wife. That's the one that, that does satisfy. But this is a well that doesn't satisfy. Now, this, this strange woman, this whore, she knows how to push this man's buttons. She knows how to turn him on, get him all worked up and all flustered and carrying on. Ultimately, she will not deliver what he needs because she lacks true intimacy and trust that a loving spouse provides. This woman ain't never going to meet his emotional, intimate needs all, all that's going to be is sex. It ain't never going to be a relationship. He can't never get what he's getting in a marriage from this from this loose woman because she can't provide it. She's got a husband. You see, this is a nightmare from the get-go. <clears throat> I mean, she she's his, but just for tonight, just for the weekend. 
she's not really his. She's enticing him, taking him to his destruction. The Bible calls it a narrow pit. And it, it, it's kind of figuratively picturing the situation a man gets himself into when he enters into this kind of thing. Y'all remember what happened on October 14th of 1987? I know you do. At the age of 18 months, little baby Jessica slipped off in an 8-inch well casing. Y'all remember that story? Yeah, it was out in Midland or somewhere. Yep, she slid down and she she walked over and fell down in a well casing. She slid down about 22 feet below the ground. Two to, two and a half days, everybody in the world was glued to baby Jessica. Okay, she was in a narrow pit. She was in a narrow well. It was difficult to free her because she was trapped and helpless. She couldn't get herself out. She's two and a half years old. She'd know how to reach up and grab that and pull it, pull herself out. So she she she's she's yielded herself to the well case and then she's stuck. And when a man yields himself to a harlot, he's trapped too, like a man trapped in a well. He's helpless and he's trapped. You know why? He's 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 unyielding himself to her. He's done got himself attached to her. Now he's waiting on her call. Her husband, are you out here? Husband out of town, call me. Holler at me when he's out of town. I'll come over. He's trapped. He's caught. And she's got the goods on him. She she can tell his wife. She can tell somebody in his life. He's done in and put himself in a situation where he's he's trapped. The Bible said, and when that happens, and he, she she increases the transgressors among men. Now, I don't want to lay all the blame on the woman here, but she is to blame. It takes two to tango. We know that. We're not letting this man off the hook. He's a fool. He just walked right into the trap. I mean, he, he saw the cheese and said, oh, yeah, our cheese. Oh. He's a dummy. I mean, again, man, we can't we can't not blame him uh, for being a dummy because he was a dummy, but she, she hunted for the dummy. She's guilty because she's a... She hunts for somebody to take advantage of, and her trap catches a lot of men. I mean, it's true if there were a lot, if there were fewer harlots and, and immoral women, there'd be fewer unfaithful men. It's true. And that doesn't mean that men are not again. Men are just as guilty because again, if women went out for looking for a man and no man ever showed up, women quit looking for him. I mean, they're both guilty. But. The thing about it is, with a, with a woman like this, the things that go with her lifestyle are very destructive. Liquor, drugs, crime, violence, child abuse, all those things go with that lifestyle, those type of people. Promiscuous living, man, it's romanticized in music. I mean, oh, country music wouldn't have survived if it hadn't been for, for promiscuous living. I mean, good night, Earl Haggard couldn't have made a living if it hadn't been for that. And I and I like his voice, but I, again, his song from the songs he sang. I mean, I, I again, I sang country music for years and years, but some of them songs is like, oh my gosh, I just want to poke up I stick in my head trying to listen to this stuff. It's horrible. I did a whole sermon on it one Sunday morning over in Paris on the dangers of country music. Mama said she felt like somebody dumped garbage on her while I was preaching. <laughs> well, I mean, when you think about some of the lyrics. David Allen Coe had a song, Now Lay Me Down to Cheat on the Woman I Love So. If I die between these sheets, I pray to God she'll never know. What a song. What a song. I mean, that was on the country charts. What a song. That's horrific, horrendous. 
and yet they played that stuff on the radio as if it was something people wanted to listen to. Again, they glorify it. I mean, what does rap music do? It don't do nothing to glorify this whole lifestyle. That's all it's about. Rock and roll music, that's all it ever was about. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Country music's all about it, too. It's all about it. It glorifies it. Movie glorifies it. TV glorifies it. Sex is glorified everywhere. Why? Because we know sex sells, and people make lots of money off of it. It's glorified, but it is a destructive, horrible lifestyle, and the hard facts about it are faithfully given right here. It shows in verse 27 there is captivity. It involves captivity. You can't get yourself free very easy from it. It's a deep ditch, a narrow pit, and, and the people involved in it are heartless in verse 28. She laughs and wait as for a prey. Heartlessness. And then it disrupts the social uh, social fabric. She also increases the transgressors among men. This woman is the she is the cause of innumerable sins against God and against the marriage bed and against the soul and the body too, and by her wicked example and glorification through the entertainment industry, she involves so many people in the guilt of her sin. God help her. I'm getting off of it. I'm gonna talk about something else. Amen. All right, so let's let's look at let's look at, at what goes with her lifestyle. Which is the misery of abusing alcohol. And and there's a lot of people involved in that. Verse twenty nine through thirty five. We'll finish out with that tonight. Let's read. It said, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Let's back up and read that again. Who hath woe? Whose who's life is full of trouble? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who's, uh, everywhere they turn, always some kind of something breaking down, falling apart. Everything's bad. Everywhere you go, I'm so-and-so's trying to do this to me. So-and-so's doing that to me. It's always a grap, 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 grap. Who hath babbling? Sitting around muttering, don't even know what you're talking about. Wounds without cause. What happened to you? I fell down the other night. Oh, how come? You're drunk. Who has redness of the eyes? Who? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not, look thou not upon the wine when it is red, when he giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. All right, that's a lot of stuff there, but we'll unpack that here in the next 20 minutes. So who hath hath woe? Whose life is full of sorrow? Solomon's remind us what happens if you start drinking, effects of drinking alcohol. It brings woe. It brings sorrow. I never heard of anybody, boy, so-and-so started drinking, and they're so happy. They're just doing so much better since they started drinking. That don't go together, does it? You drink because you're miserable. And what does drinking do? It increases your misery. It does. Misery loves company. Why the bar rooms, when when they're open, they're pretty full. There's a lot of miserable people in this world. But it... But it, it causes more of the same. I've mentioned Merle Haggard, and the thought in my mind was that song, Here I Am Again, Mixing Misery and Gin. 
sitting with all my friends and talking to myself. I look like I'm having a good time, he said, but any fool can tell that this honky-tonk heaven really makes you feel like hell. That's what he said in that song. He's telling the truth. He's telling the truth, and they put it to music, and everybody wants to dance to it. Isn't that something? That was a number one hit for him, I think. Thinking about misery that comes from drinking. But see, you put anything to music and people will dance to it. It's the truth. But again, what else does it bring? It brings contentions and complaints. You start drinking, you're going to cause problems in people's lives. Because again, you are undependable when you drink. Can't count on you show up. You both show up, and if you do show up, will you be in your right mind, or will you come in and turn the house up, or will you come in and pass out and vomit in the living room floor, or will you spend all the grocery money on liquor? Kind of hard to be happy with somebody in that shape. It brings wounds and red eyes. Give. I'm going to tell you right now, a man who drinks all the time, he's going to get some facts because he's going to run his mouth off. Because when you get drunk, you'll talk. You'll say what's on your mind, and you don't care what anybody thinks because ain't nobody going to whoop you. Man, he's, uh, y'all heard the term 10 feet tall and bulletproof? Well, that's well, that's exactly how a person feels when they get full of alcohol. <clears throat> and when a person drinks unrestrained, and, 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 and listen, that. You talk about sorrows that's going to come into somebody's life. Countless tragedies are going to come into a person's life. And this this part of the scripture right here, it's a small masterpiece right here. And it's it's a very effective combination of satire and sorrow over the sorry state of a drunkard is what it is. So let's look at it and we'll get done and go to the house. He said, they that tarry long at the wine. Tarry long. You know what? Somebody starts drinking, they usually don't want to stop. I can't tell you how many daddy, how many nights I sat up wondering if my daddy was going to come home when I was a kid. My daddy was alcoholic. My daddy would go to the bar, and there was years when I, there was several years when I lived with my daddy. It was just me and him. He wasn't married, and he'd go off the bar. I wouldn't know if he'd come home before morning or not. I, a lot of nights I sit up waiting to see if he's going to show up, and he'd come in drunk as a skunk. But he liked to tarry long at it. He didn't like. He, you know, and I know that people watch this night, and maybe some of you watch this night and love my daddy. Well, I'm going to tell the truth about him, whether it makes you mad or not, because he, he was what he was, and he's 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 in heaven now, and, and thank God he got saved. But but his life he lived was the life he lived. And some men think they got to drink the bar dry. Men, they love that they carry long at the wine. And, you know, my daddy, I told some of you all this, but my daddy told me one time, he said, he said, son, I can't go in there and go lay down in the bed and get comfortable and go to sleep if I know there's one beer still floating in the cooler in the back of my truck. It'd drive me crazy till I drank it. I'd get up and go out there and drink it. That's an alcoholic. That's a, that's what an alcoholic is. And, and by the way, my daddy's no longer with us. Now, drinking didn't kill him, but it sure didn't help. And, I, I, again, had he not been an alcoholic, had he not lived the life he lived, I think he'd still be living. God might have let him live longer. But, but the things that he did contributed to his early demise. And, uh, you know, this picture is of those who abuse alcohol. And it, and it talks about it, it's, it's those are they're always looking for something stronger. They're always trying to get a little bit little bit better. And the reason for that is anytime you try any addictive behavior, 
the first time you do it, it's going to be the best time you ever do it. It's going to feel the best to you the first time you ever do it. You know, three or four years down the line, you won't get the same buzz you got in the beginning, and, and they're always chasing that buzz, and you never catch it. But but an alcoholic, he, again, he's got to drink more now. Why? Because two or three beers don't do it anymore. he got to drink a case. Some people have to drink more than a case to get where they want to get. Again, it's misery. It's horrible misery. I'm describing a miserable existence. I had a cousin. Uh, I had a cousin who used to, uh, he lived over in Dallas. He worked at one of the Federal Reserve branch. He worked at the Federal Reserve branch in Dallas. He had a really high-paying job. He was computer tech over there for them. And uh, and uh, he used to, he'd come home from work, and he had a wife and, and twin babies, and he'd go out in the garage and sit in his car and, and drink straight vodka out of the bottle that he'd pass out every night. He's no longer with us either. Alcohol led to his demise. You know, it'll kill people. You know, lingering over alcohol, it describes it describes those who they find comfort and security in knowing that they have beer, wine, or alcohol close at hand, ready to deaden the senses any time that they that they need to. They feel like they need to. It says it giveth his color in the cup. You know, and, and and they say because I don't like I, I I never in my life liked the taste of the stuff ever. I wish I could say I never put it to my lips, but I'd be lying to you. I ain't gonna say that. But I I never liked it. I ran with a crowd who did drink, and because of that, it was pushed upon me. Oh, get you one, get you one, get you one. I always say I'm the guy. I was the guy standing there with one that was that was three quarters of the half full and it was warm and I didn't want it to begin with and I was hoping nobody would mention it where I wouldn't have to I wouldn't have to deal with another one coming my way because I didn't want it. I couldn't stand it. I was around people. I wasn't serving God. I wasn't living for God at the time and I had people pushing it on me and I was weak. I didn't I, I yielded to I yielded to the them making them comfortable. And that wasn't right. I'm not trying to justify it. I'm just telling you I never liked it. I never could stand it. But some people do. Some people do. They say, man, it looks so good, smells so good, tastes so good, makes you feel so good. You know, if you, I don't know if y'all ever been in a, in a, in a restaurant or you see it on TV in a movie, you, you know what a sommelier is? That's the guy who brings out the wine. Who says, it's a great year. It was a good vintage, you know. Pops a cork. You don't smell the cork here. Uh, let's pour a little in the glass, swirl it around. Look, it's got legs. Look at how it runs down. The glass. Look, at it, look at it. Hold it up in the light. Smell it. Stick their nose way down it. Suck real hard breath in. You ever seen what I'm talking about? It's like they just love it. They just, they just love on that wine. They make a big show out of it. You know, it, it gives us this color in the cup. They get fascinated with it. I mean, it's a science to it and all this kind of stuff. That's hogwash to me. Because it, it ain't worth drinking to begin with. And how are you going to love on it? Something that ain't worth drinking to begin with. You know, it can, I, I mean, it can, make you, it can make you lightheaded and giddy and lots of fun, they say. Well, so can anesthesia after wisdom teeth surgery. Amen. But I don't. I don't recommend you go do that. It make you act all kind of silly. You ever watch people videos of that? That's pretty funny, actually. But it's a, when it gives its color in the cup, and when it moves itself aright, when it sparkles and swirls, seems to smile at you and say, "Drink me, drink me." Move it this way. But it says, "Hey, at the last, oh, when you finally got your fill of it." It biteth like a serpent. That's the truth. So evidently, evidently, the abuse of alcohol will bite and sting you. 
And when I, and I say the abuse of alcohol, and don't think when I say that, that again, I, I'm referencing that you can drink in moderation. Again, and let me, let me say that once again what I said last week. When he says, when I refer to abuse alcohol, I believe when, like I said last week, when, when Paul told Timothy, use a little wine for thy stomach and thine awkward infirmities, that's no different than Paul saying, if you got a terrible cough, take some NyQuil. It may have a little alcohol in it, but it ain't enough to get you drunk. It'll put you to sleep, and you'll feel better in the morning. And like I said, back when I was a kid, it was it was get a little bit of whiskey and a little lemon or a little honey and take that for a bad cough, and you'll feel better in the morning. It wasn't, hey, let's get you liquored up. It wasn't, hey, sit up with us and drink till you feel good. It was take this and go to bed. You ain't going to know it anyway. You'll be asleep in 10 minutes, right? That ain't no drunk. That, that's moderation. That's using common sense. That's, re- that's responsible alcohol. But when you're drinking for pleasure, when you're drinking for social engagement, there's something wrong there for a Christian. It shouldn't be. And, and Solomon described it. He said, your eyes will see strange things, and your heart will utter perverse things. I've seen some strange things in my life. I've seen some people do some strange things. I've seen people act fools. I've seen people get arrested and act an absolute fool and embarrass themselves, all because of alcohol. And I've heard people who I thought were good people say some of the vilest things when they were under the influence of alcohol. I've heard some of the filthiest things come out of people's mouth when they're under the influence of alcohol. You know, your mouth is a loaded weapon when when your belly is full of alcohol. And, and, you know, somebody going out drinking, they may not be going out necessarily looking for trouble, but they ain't exactly shying away from it either. You know, I I know how it was. I I remember those days when I was a young person. So I said, hey, let's go get drunk. Woo, let's do it, you know. Stupid. But that's the attitude. That's the attitude. It's like we're looking for trouble tonight, yeah, and you may find it, and you may get lots more than you want. There's lots of that's lots of there's lots of kids that that set out to do that on a Friday and Saturday night and they never come home but they do they, they go somewhere in a body bag. It bites like a serpent. Don't 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 let it play around with you. I know it looks good on a commercial to some people when that beer comes foaming over the side that cold glass runs down the side of it. It just looked like a horse urinated in it to me. I don't want nothing to do with that stuff. And nothing at all. By the way, I heard a preacher say one time, "You want to know how they make alcohol?" Said they said they they, they put sugar in something. And, and then they put yeast in there, and that yeast bacteria eats that sugar molecule, and it urinates alcohol. That's how it works, basically. You're drinking bacteria, yeast urine. I don't want no part of that. Amen? But, again, let's get into this and finish up, all right? So there's a, there's a deliberate reason for putting this warning against a strange woman next to this warning about getting drunk, because both of these things are deadly traps. The first section of scripture we looked at, it unmasked the cheating wife. He's like a tiger on the prowl, ready to prowl on somebody and tear them to shreds. And the second part of it uncovers alcohol as a poisonous snake that will reach out and bite you and poison you. And it will. It'll bite you. You go from having a party and hugging your friends to begging God for your life and hugging a toilet in a hurry. I Believe you me, I know I've seen all that. 
He said, Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea. A person who turns to alcohol will drown in their sin and misery. They'll be like a person on a sinking ship that ignores the danger. Living in denial. Unable or unwilling to see how dangerous everything is in their life. Their only thought is, when can they drink some again? When when I can get me another bottle? When when I can get me another 12-pack? You know, again, it's, it's like he's in the ship in the midst of the sea. The world's moving, even when he ain't. And his brain is just a mix of bad ideas. And emotionally, he's all over the place. Happy one minute, sad the next minute, low one minute, high the next minute, and back back the next minute. Again, a drunk, you can't you can't tell how he's going to be from one minute to the next. Then it said he it'll be like he that lies at the top upon the top of a mast. Y'all know what the mast is, right? You in a ship, it's that pole in the middle that the sails tie to. And up the top, you got the crow's nest, which is a little little walk, little circular walkway, and that's the mast. And that thing's going to whip around more than anything on that whole ship. And he says, like somebody getting up in the crow's nest in that ship, that thing's just bobbing and weaving every which way. Good night. You talk about make you sick. That's worse than any ride at Six Flags. I can assure you that. And, you know, that's, that's, you ever heard somebody having to put their foot on the floor to keep the world from turning? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've never heard it before. Yeah, y'all have. <laughs> somebody said it to you somewhere. But, again, you know, what, what is that talking about? It's talking about somebody that's about to throw up everything but their shoes. You know, and that guy, he'd get in the bathroom, go to hugging that toilet, and promise God they'll go to the mission field of Siberia if God will just let him live. I'll never drink again, God. As long as his face stays out, stays up out of the water, he probably will live. But come morning, but come morning, stricken me, got thou sick, and I wasn't sick. They beaten me, didn't feel it. I felt it not. When shall I awake? I'll speak it yet again. What that's describing is more than just getting drunk at night. Talking about the hangover the next morning. Man, it'll wear you out. It, it breaks your body down. It breaks your mind down. It breaks everything about you down. Your physical part of your being, your mental part of your being, and 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 and, and the alcoholic and the, the regular drinker. It just it, it degenerates his life in every way. And drinking alcohol, it brings physical pain into you. It it causes debilitation of a person's body. It it exhausts your resources. You'll spend all your money on it. It takes away your mental sharpness. And it leaves you craving for more and more and more. I said all that to say this, but there's still hope for the drunkard. There's still hope for the drunkard. Somebody might look at him and say, well, I don't know how. Look at the mess as life is. Well, Genesis 18, 14 says this, is anything too hard for the Lord? Nope. And there's a verse over in Jeremiah that says, there is nothing too hard for thee. Amen. I know that for for sure because God took somebody like me and he made a preacher out of me. He can do that. He can do something with anybody. I can assure you that. When Paul said, hey, I'm the chief of sinners, I know exactly what he means because I felt the very same way about myself. And I still feel the same way about myself. I wish God that God could, could, could pull away from me every temptation in my life so I never have another one but I realize that ain't the way life works. 
we're going to need Jesus and we're going to be fighting temptation until we die. But I praise God for one thing. Uh, whores and alcohol ain't temptations. Thank God for that. Thank God the life that, that was way back there that I was led through when I was a child does not allure me today. I thank God that it does not allure me today. And I tell anybody that, that wants to know, that's a fool's life. Don't fall down. Don't, 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 don't stumble down that path. But God can fix anybody. God can save any alcoholic. God can save any drug addict. God can save anybody who's living a life of promiscuity. God can turn them around. He can do it. He can make the impossible possible. All somebody has to do is come broken as they may be and put themselves at God's at God's altar and say, I need Jesus. Please, Jesus, wash my sins away. Cleanse me and make me new. Because God doesn't just clean you up and then you're just to re, re, uh, reclaim something or other, recycle something or other. God makes you new. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God will make you over and make you new. He, he can set the drunkard free. He can cleanse the harlot. He can deliver me or you from our besetting sins. Because i got something for me and you in this, too. Maybe we don't have a problem with the things I mentioned tonight, but everybody in here has got something we stumble at. Everybody in here, we may look at, we may have been looking down our noses within ourselves at these people that we've been talking about. Maybe you hadn't. I hope you hadn't. I hope you feel compassion. But at the same time, we're looking at them and thinking that's disgusting. We ought to take a look inward and realize we got besetting sins that we stumble on all the time, and God ain't no happier about our besetting sins than He is their sins. And so I want you to understand that God can deliver me and you from our besetting sins too. And I'm gonna close with this verse. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, Wherefore, seeing as we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, and that refers to those who've died and gone on before us in chapter 11 at the end of it, and I believe it also refers to those who are watching us today as we're living our lives before them on this earth. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, which holds us back, which slows us down, which stops us. That's what it means. And let us run with patience the race that's set before us. How do we do that? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's, listen, he, we didn't have that faith, so he gave it to us. Amen. He's the one that allowed us to have that faith and to believe on him. He's the one that did all that. He started this. He started this good work in us, and he'll complete it under the day of the Lord Jesus. Amen. He's going to finish it, amen. He, if he starts something, that's one thing about the Lord Jesus. He's going to finish it. He's not a quitter. He don't stop halfway, amen. He's a finisher. I thought about, I thought about that word finisher again. When I, when I think about woodwork and putting a finish on something, it looks good. You know it's done. You can see yourself in it. You say, man, that looks right. And that's what God wants to do with you. He won't, it won't be you doing it. It'll be him. But he looks down and he sees his reflection in you. He knows you're getting close to what he wants you to be. Amen. Let's stand together. Praise the Lord. We can meet with God on a Wednesday night. Amen. Not just on a Sunday. God will show up on a Wednesday night and speak to hearts. Amen. All right. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad you met with us tonight. I'm glad we met together. And uh, let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Let's ask God to, to bless us as we go from here. And uh, take care of everybody. Keep everybody together. Everybody's getting better. Amen. Be praying for one another.
Our prayer, this is power in prayer. And I know you know that. We just keep need to keep being faithful to remember to lift one another up. God, God's working. I see him doing things in our lives. Let's just keep lifting one another up. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless us as we dismiss. Brother Byron, dismiss us in prayer. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.